everyone and welcome back to our 16th episode of the World of Heritage. My name is Nilufar and here with me is Stephanie. We are students of the World Heritage Studies program at the Brandenburg Technical University. We started this podcast as our study project for this semester, querying the narratives course organized by our lecturer, Ms. Caitlin Williams. In each episode, we have a new guest from the BTU Heritage community, and today we are excited to get to know Mary Kane. Mary is from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the U.S. She moved to Dublin, Ireland in 2013 and studied archaeology for her bachelor and master's degree. After her graduation in 2017, she started working for more than two years and gained experiences in different excavation projects as a site assistant for multiple archaeological companies, including Rubicon Heritage Service and Archaeology Plan and Heritage Solution for projects in CO Dublin and CO Math. Having responsibilities like data management and overseeing the process, delivering the tasks to the team, etc. She moved to Germany in 2019 to start a new master in World Heritage Studies and currently in her second year of studies. She's a member of the Student Council helping students throughout the semester and in her recent work experience, she works in an excavation project in Lubena. Very happy to have Mary today with us. Hi Mary and welcome to today's episode. How are you? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's, I'm really excited for this. Thank you. Great. Let's start with the first part of our interview about your background. Why did you decide to study archaeology? Well, funny enough, I actually didn't intend to study archaeology. It just sort of happened because when I first went to UCD for my bachelor's, I originally went to study English and theater. And the way that the school works is like you, if you're doing an arts degree, you major in three or four subjects. And then by the time you get through to your second semester, you narrow it down so that when you start your second year, you are doing whichever major you have enough credits for and are interested in. So I ended up doing English originally, but I wasn't really happy with how the lectures were taught, which was depressing because they made Shakespeare boring. And by the time I got to my second semester, I was kind of at a point of, do I really want to have to deal with this for another three years? So I was looking around and even before I had taken these classes, when I was applying to UCD, I was very tempted to go into archaeology, but I wasn't allowed to major um, both of them at the same time because the clash of uh, classes, they just overlapped with each other. So it was a little disappointing. But then I figured in my second semester, I was like, okay, I'm not enjoying this you know what, it, it can't hurt to try and see if archaeology would be better. So I ended up majoring in archaeology and I just fell in love with it with my first two classes. So I was not at all, I was not at all upset for making the decision. It was a quick choice, but I, I'm glad I stuck with it. Wow, what a story. So moving to Ireland, what, what was that part of your dream? Kind of, um, when I was applying for colleges, one of the big things I was very much looking for for where I would go to university was I wanted to go somewhere that wasn't in my own home state. But a lot of the colleges I was looking at, they were they were mainly like on the East Coast um, in like New York, Massachusetts. 
Virginia and Maryland, but it was, I, when I was looking at them, I was very much, I'd like to, you know, go somewhere, you know, completely different. And then when I was in the process of looking at colleges, my sister had done a semester abroad in Ireland and she messaged me and recommended the program to me. So I figured, okay, I'll apply there. Who knows? It can't hurt. I ended up getting, actually, I think it was the first college I heard back from whether I got in or not. And I think at that point, I was like, all right, that's it. You know, I got into Ireland. That's actually where I really would love to go. And I visited Ireland when I was a child. Um, I have a few memories of it. So it kind of almost seemed inevitable that I was going to be leaving somewhere and go completely different. Because I do think, especially in the States, there is almost, um, it's very easy to want to just stay within your home own home state. And I didn't want to do that. I very much loved the idea of traveling. I wanted to go see the world because the world is a lot bigger than your own hometown. So that was one thing I always wanted to experience, just going different places, meeting new people, experiencing different cultures. And this seemed like the best way to start doing that. When you decided to move to Ireland, have you ever imagined that it would continue to be last six years uh, how could you manage it to stay away from your home at your young age for six years well it was funny I didn't realize at the time that I'd end up spending six years there when I first moved there it was it was a bit tough I mean you're only 18 when you go out for university so it was a new country it was a new place I was very far from my family my friends from my old life essentially but I kind of I guess to try to comfort myself or to reassure myself, I kind of equated it whenever I would switch schools. Because I, growing up, I went to three different schools. So it was very much a similar process of you're in one familiar place and then you leave to go somewhere else. You don't know anyone there. You don't know the environment well enough. So you're trying to familiarize yourself with it and just find a little niche for yourself that you can get settled in. So it was kind of like that. Like the first month, especially, I think was the hardest because you feel homesick and especially when every Irish student that you talk to is like oh yes I can just go home on the weekend it's like I can't I have a six-hour flight <laughs> if I want to head back but after a while I just sort of started finding my groove I started making friends um, in my dorm and in my classes and I just sort of settled in well enough and adjusted so after a while like one year turns into two and then two turns into three and then the next thing I know it's like yes I want to spend I'd be happy to spend, if not the rest of my life in Ireland, but certainly would like to spend some time in Ireland. And yeah, it, it was definitely one of those experiences where I didn't realize how much time flew by until I was actually leaving to go somewhere else. So we already learned that you fell in love with archaeology after switching from English literature. And um, so it was probably not your plan to do a master in archaeology, right? Or how did that happen? By the time I was getting to the end of my degree, I kind of wanted to keep studying archaeology more from a research point of view. Um, I was very much big into prehistoric hunter-gatherer archaeology, mainly in the British Isles. And I was very much interested in looking at it from maybe like Scandinavian perspectives and like Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and those different countries, because there's very it's very well preserved in those regions. But I was thinking about it more from a research perspective. I did not, I did not foresee myself ending up going into like the heritage aspect of it, like I am now with BTU. So it was more just like 
a stepping stone if I wanted to maybe get a PhD later in life, which who knows, that might still be on the table. I tend to keep my options wide open with this because sometimes the best laid plans of mice and men go awry as this entire last year has been a testimony to. So yeah, it was kind of inevitable, but it was more for a different reason than I guess I than I guess for some other people who used it as one more year to stay in university and just have a master's then that you get out of it. About your living in Ireland, what has been so interesting for you about the Irish lifestyle? I'd have to say the culture, especially like going from American culture to Irish culture was definitely one thing that was interesting about it. Love the food culture. <laughs> Contrary to what everyone says about Irish or even UK style of food, I will say, especially in this time of year, it is so comforting to have just like, even yesterday we made an Irish breakfast and it was just the most comforting food to ever have. But the, it's not just that, there's also like the sense of community that I found in Ireland, very much like you, everyone watches out for each other. Um, like even if you're feeling down, people will try to help you out in tough situations, which is something I'm not saying the states don't do, but there's very much a communal sense of it. Like everyone in like even everyone in small communities will help each other out because everyone knows everyone. The other thing I really like is the big emphasis uh, that storytelling still has, because Dublin especially, it's where Joyce was, Oscar Wilde, the country, you have Yeats, you have Joyce, Wilde, and the massive influence of literature and even folklore and storytelling. Like Wherever you go in Ireland, there's always archaeological sites have some sort of folkloric connection to them. And even if you go into the countryside, seeing fields, and if you notice that there's a tree in the middle of a field or a big stone, you know that there's some folklore aspect to it. And it's really fascinating that it's still very much alive in Irish culture. It's something I haven't really seen elsewhere, at least in the US. And I'm not certain I've seen it to an extent in my time in Germany, but I've been stuck in lockdown. So We'll see if that changes, but it's, I just love the idea that storytelling still has such a huge presence in Ireland. Did you like living in Dublin and also living in different countries? What are the differences of access to heritage in Ireland and for example, the US? I do love living in Dublin or did love living in Dublin. And I also love living in other countries because you never know what you're going to experience where you're living somewhere completely different. In terms of access to heritage, in Ireland, it's sort of like, it's very much double-edged. On the one hand, in the city especially, access to heritage, is it's easy enough. It's the museums for the National Museum, the Art Museum, they're all free. So it's very much you can have an access to Irish culture and Irish heritage. But if you want to go to places like Newgrange or Clonmacnoy or Glendalough, it's a bit of a concerted effort, mainly just getting there. That's mainly the big problem with access to heritage. But compared to somewhere like in the US, for example, I remember most of the museums like in Philadelphia, you have to pay to get in for most places. The only exception I remember is the local national park, which is Valley Forge, but that's just because not exactly easy to keep track of people coming in or out of it. But yeah, it always felt like I had greater accessibility to Irish heritage than I could with American heritage or at the very least Philadelphian heritage for a very narrow perspective. 
Well said. All right, let's take a short break and come back in a minute. Hi again, and welcome back to the second part of our today's talk with Mari. Moving to Cottbus, to what extent was the German student life different from the experience you had in Dublin? I'd say the first part of it, particularly the move to Germany, was very different for me because I actually moved a month before my classes were due to start so I could take a German class. So getting settled in, especially because I don't, or at the time, I didn't know German or I didn't have a solid enough foundation that I felt comfortable talking to people in German. So moving then, it took a while for me to get settled, especially because I didn't know anyone. I couldn't really speak to anyone because there would always be the language barrier. So it took me a while to get settled in, but eventually like taking the German class, I met a few people who were in a similar situation to me. They were trying to learn. They were very much thrown into the deep end with I guess, moving as we all were. So we were all just trying to figure things out and we got to know each other. So it made it a bit easier. It just took a while. I was also much more homesick because I missed my friends. My boyfriend was still back in Dublin and he was trying to sort out affairs in Dublin so he could come to Germany. So it was it was a little bit trickier just because, because of the language barrier, I couldn't settle in as quickly as I would like to. But I'd say like over time, like especially once the program got started, it got a bit easier because then it's like meeting friends, make, having new experience, being able to go around Germany a bit more now that I had access to the beloved student card so I could travel to Berlin for free. But it just, it just took a while. And I think that's kind of, it was kind of to be expected the way I went about it, but I don't regret it. It was, it was a very me way of doing it. I did not take the easiest route for it. Oh, <laughs> well, how was the process of finding an accommodation and were you satisfied with what you ended up in the end? Yeah, it was, it was an easy enough process. I applied for a dorm with the Studentenwerk and it was decent enough. It was, it was more like living in an apartment. So I was perfectly happy with that. I very much made it clear I did not want roommates because I, I had enough of that. I've reached a point in my life where it's like, I do not want roommates. So yeah, it was, it was easier to do. The only thing was that once I had gotten to Germany, it was a little bit harder trying to make it more livable. The biggest thing was, is that because I was in the Potsdamer Strasse dorms, I was in the building that had no Wi-Fi with it. And that was the thing I did not cop on when I was applying for dorms in the first place. So that when I got there, or the application was fine. But once it was like you were getting in there, it was a lot more tedious than I thought it would be. But eventually it was, I was like, okay, get settled. You got the internet, you got your basic amenities, it's fine. But in hindsight, I kind of wish that the school had provided a little bit more, if not help, certainly a lot more facilities like compared to what you see on like, here is a very utilitarian building of, here is a building you can sleep, you can have your meals in and go to the bathroom, but we're not gonna give you Wi-Fi. We're not gonna give you like a Hoover to clean up you're just sort of gonna have to take care of that yourself. So as I said, utilitarian, functional, but could do with more. Living in Cottbus generally, what is so special about the Eastern German cities like Cottbus when you also compare it to Dublin? One thing that I really do like is the spacing and the 
even the architecture to a degree. Like I, I love the big wide streets, especially for having the above ground trams. I thought that was really cool to see. It was something I didn't really experience terribly too much in Dublin. There are tra above ground tram systems, but I never lived anywhere close to one where my dorm was, I was right next to one. So it was a, definitely a new experience. I did kind of like the mix of the older German architecture versus Eastern German communist era building. So it was, it was cool to see sort of the different styles and how they ended up emerging over time. So I did think that was actually one of the best things about it. Did you travel through Germany as well? What is your favorite German city so far? So I managed to do a little bit of traveling both pre-corona and during corona. So before corona, I was able to go to Berlin for the most part, but also to Potsdam for one of our classes, cultural landscapes, as well as Oberammergau, forgive my very bad pronunciation, down in Bavaria, along with um, Neuschwanstein and Linderhof Palace and Garmische Patenkirchen. So once again, further down in Bavaria. So it was great to see a different aspect of Germany that wasn't just Berlin or Cottbus or even Dresden as well, another place I had managed to go to for classes. But during the pandemic, I was actually able to take like a couple of days off for a weekend trip to go to Hamburg, which was, it was a lovely change of scenery. I, I love cities that are based around water, mainly like rivers, because Dublin is very much similar to that. It's built on the River Liffey and it has access then to the Irish Sea. So it was great to see another city that had a very similar design or very much a similar style layout for it. I'd have to say though that I'd say Hamburg or Berlin are probably my two favorite cities for now, but I would love to see more of Germany like once we are actually able to travel again. So, Mari, if you want to describe Cottbus in three adjectives, what would they be? I'd have to say maybe quaint, small, but not in a bad way, and peaceful as well. I'd have to say would be my three adjectives. And how about Berlin? Big, busy, and bustling. Well, not anymore now, but <laughs> at the time. <laughs> And I wasn't just trying to be illiterate there with all the bees, but it definitely compared to Cottbus, there is very much a size difference and it kind of affects of what things can I do in Berlin versus what I can do in Cottbus. And that's one of the reasons I think I would, I prefer living in Berlin maybe over Cottbus. There's a greater amount of things I can do. Plus also I have Teufelberg as my backyard essentially, or I get a great view from it from my apartment. So I'm not going to complain about that. What do you like the most about the BTU campus? Definitely, I would have to say the library. I love the architecture for it, which I didn't realize until a couple of months in, like the exterior walls that they are made up of different words or letters from different alphabets across different languages. I didn't realize that at the time, but when I, I was told that, I thought, oh, that, that's really cool, actually. And I actually really liked how the layout of the different floors are, like the little underground aspect of it for like meeting rooms and where all the little group areas are. I did find that actually really cool and I also love the fact that there's a bit of the Berlin wall like right outside on the grassy area in front of the building so in terms of architectural design it's absolutely fabulous and I do miss going to that library. Marie thank you so much we are excited to talk more about the program in the next part so stay tuned. So why did you decide to go for the Master of World Heritage Study? 
did you have other alternatives alongside that? Well, funny enough, no, I did not have other alternatives. I was presented with another alternative, actually, when I was looking to apply to BTU from my old supervisor from UCD. Because the way um, we have a couple of master's programs in UCD, one of them is World Heritage um, Studies, but I didn't want to do it for two main reasons. One was is that it would be nice to get a different perspective that wasn't just purely from an Irish perspective, um, just to have a different experience with it. And secondly, I could not afford it. <laughs> so the difference between paying say 300 some euros per at least a semester versus 10,000 euros was a it's sweet in the deal. But I also was told that BTU, it was very reputable. A friend of mine actually in UCD who's doing a PhD recommended the program to me. And I trusted her advice on it because she's very, she's very worldly in terms of like, I know these different programs, I've met all these different people. So I was very much willing to trust her recommendation on it. So that was the main, that was the two main reasons why. Through the online semester, what was your favorite course and teacher? Okay, I'm going to cheat with this and say it's a tie. It's a tie between heritage legislation with Britta Rudolph. I loved actually learning more about the legality of different conventions and how they actually come about to being, how they're structured, and how they actually get implemented and what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses. But I also really liked working sort of an extension with that was the study project with um, Nicole Francescini. I'm so sorry, Nicole, if I butcher your last name, but the study project was on the 1970 convention on illicit trafficking. And that actually was something I found really fascinating to look at, looking at how have people or institutions, how have they tried to implement this? What are they finding is working with it? And where are areas in terms of how the convention is implemented that need of improvement? So those are definitely two classes I would recommend. Maybe not the study project because I don't know if that will happen again, but definitely I would recommend taking the um, heritage legislation class. Are you participating in any courses right now this semester? Like the one we're just like about to finish? I'm currently enrolled in cultural management and um, heritage tourism. I overloaded in the last semester um, so I could have a relatively stress-free winter semester, but I, those are the two I'm taking at the moment, both of which I would highly recommend for anyone who is looking to see like what classes would be good to take in the winter semester. Great. What is the best part that you did like most about the university personally? Honestly, I love just meeting different people from around the world in this one program, because especially coming from UCD, we did get people from different backgrounds that came in, but there was still very much the emphasis on looking at Irish heritage or even like heritage within an Anglosphere, to put it bluntly. But BTU, it was great getting different perspectives, not just from within Europe, but from all parts of the world. And I just love being able to learn about how do different countries, how do they take care of their own heritage? What are strengths that they have in terms of protecting it? And where are areas that you know, it works in one country, but it maybe doesn't work in another country. And just having different experiences from other people, I think is just, it enriches the program and it enriches you in your own studies. How about extra activities that you are involved with at the BTU 
What are your tasks and are you enjoying it? So I'm currently involved with the student council for the World Heritage Program. I'm a, I'm a member for and a representative for World Heritage Studies. I currently work on creating the bi-weekly newsletter. So also just a little plug in, there will be one this week. But yes, I'm, I'm involved with creating the newsletter, but I also help with some of the online events that we've been hosting lately. So I've helped with some of the quiz nights and there are a few other um, projects with Stuco that I want to get involved in. I'm not certain if I can say what they are at the moment because they haven't been finalized, but I, once they do get finalized, we will keep you all in the loop for them. But I do want to try to help make students or help students have a better experience with ETU just because given how things are at the moment, it is very easy to disassociate yourself or be very detached from the program, from the school, from your classmates. So it's something I want to try to make sure that students have the chance they can get together or they can at least interact with each other and have a good experience within their programs. Are you already planning to write your thesis next semester? And if so, what topic do you want to talk about? You quote Neil Gaiman, you've effectively asked the question that must never be asked, but I'm thinking about either working on museums and specifically the issue of decolonizing them. I was thinking of maybe looking at the Tropen Museum in Amsterdam and the Humboldt Forum in Berlin, because um, I've done a case study for museology with Roland um, Mayer in my first semester and looked at the Tropa Museum as a case study. And for the Humboldt Forum, it actually just opened up recently. So it would be a topic I'd be very interested in looking at. The other option is maybe looking at illicit trafficking of cultural objects, mainly from how can we try to help people who feel that this is something that they have to do as a means to support themselves financially, because I feel like for a lot of the conventions, especially if you take into consideration the Hague Convention as well, there is much more emphasis about illicit trafficking for objects during periods of armed conflict, but it never really addresses the issue of people having to sell objects that were illegally excavated because they have no means of being able to financially support themselves for whatever reason, whether it's just economically, there are just no jobs available. So I think that's something I would be interested in looking at, but it's, they're very broad ideas. So I'm, I need to some time to narrow them down. Okay, we come to the last question of our third part. Is what final word or advice do you have for your friends and classmates? Don't be afraid to just try something, even if it's just a whim, or it's just a small feeling like, oh, you know, this class seems interesting, you know, I don't know if I'll do anything with it, but it doesn't hurt to try that. I mean, I literally picked archaeology on a whim and I didn't realize or I didn't even imagine that it would get me to where I am now. And I have no regrets with it. So you never know what will happen if you sort of trust yourself in that this might not be a bad idea to pick for myself. So just don't be afraid to try something new. The last question. What World Heritage site do you find most impressive and why? I might have to be very cheeky. And by cheeky, I know someone's going to say, you're cheating with this. But I will have to say Skelly Michael in Ireland, just because I love how remote it is. And I'm not just saying that because it's been in Star Wars and every other popular media. But I always really loved sort of how you have a re very remote island and you have 
you had people there at the time it was being constructed that deliberately chose a place to isolate themselves, to create these unique structures for the sole purpose of religious purposes. And I just always thought that was really fascinating, just deliberately isolating themselves as a result because of what they wanted to experience in terms of religion. So I always thought that was interesting, even though it is such a pain to actually get there. But yeah, I think that easily is one of my favorite sites. So no surprise there, it is an Irish site. Thanks, we didn't have that one yet. So we're really excited about this one. <laughs> also, thanks a lot, Mary, for your time to talk and meet us online during this pandemic. We really enjoyed listening to your stories and we learned a lot of interesting things about you. We also wish you all the best for your future in general and in regards to your studies and hope that everything turns out good regarding the final phase of your studies. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk about this and I wish you guys success as well for this project. It's honestly amazing what you guys are doing. Thanks a lot. Thank you also to you guys for listening to our today's talk with Mary. We really enjoyed our interview and we hope you feel the same way that we did and learn new things from her. And also thanks to you for continuous support. We are really impressed by the help and support we get from you. Uh, especially the, we had this chance to get the contribution of Mary that she gave us really nice feedbacks and later volunteered to take a part as a guest here. As our next guest for the 17th episode of the World of Heritage podcast, we will talk to Shalil. Shalil was born and raised in Nepal and he's an architect. He volunteered at a conference for the Society of Nepalese of Architects and was part of the European Heritage Volunteers in 2020. Did you already listen to our other podcasts we published? For example, Emilia, Helena, Bistret. If not, you definitely have to do so. For also keeping up to date with our project, you can follow us on Instagram. And we would also appreciate your feedback. If you are interested in sharing your story on our podcast, feel free to contact us. And thanks again for listening and stay safe. Bye.